Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 18, we'll begin in verse 5 today. The chapter that we are looking at and we're going through, I think all kind of ties together. We have there in the beginning that we looked at last week, Jesus tells us that we must become like children even to enter the kingdom of heaven. That we have to humble ourselves like a child. We don't become childish, but we have to humble ourselves. We have to have dependence upon him. We don't get there by being proud and and doing everything like pulling up our bootstraps and trying to try harder. We enter the kingdom of heaven because we admit that we can't do it on our own and that we have to embrace the salvation that was won for us on the cross by Jesus. And that we have to become like a child. And then Jesus pivots today. He's going to talk about receiving a little child like the one who believes in him and how there is a warning against those who would cause one of these little children to stumble. Jesus continues his warning against sin. He continues his warning against sin and and, um, tells us that it is it is extremely dangerous to cause someone to sin, one of these little children to sin. He says that it's better that we cut off our hand or cut off our foot or gouge out our eye rather than go to hell. He takes it extremely, extremely seriously. But he hasn't left this theme of the little child. He says in the next part, See that you don't despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of heaven of of God. And they uh, it goes into the story of how Jesus goes and he finds the lost sheep. He leaves the ninety nine and goes and finds the lost sheep. It's that much that he loves the little one. It's that much that he loves the one who believes in him. That Jesus leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And the next part of the passage that we are going to see in a couple of weeks, Jesus tells us as a church how we do like him. He leaves the 99 and goes after the one whenever the one has strayed. And in this passage that we often think about, about church discipline. What is church discipline? It's when the people of God act like our Savior and we go after the one who is straying and we tell them, if you don't turn back, you're going to hell. And we plead with them to change and to come back. And if they do, if they do repent, we forgive them. And you know what the next part of the passage says? Peter then asks, well, how many times do we forgive them? And we know the answer was 70 times 7. This chapter all fits together. It all fits together. Today we're looking specifically here whenever he talks about 
the one who causes one of these little ones to stumble. Let's go ahead and look at our text. Beginning in verse 5, it says, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the one for temptation for temptation, but woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom temptations come. And if your hand causes hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes and be thrown into hell of fire. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Let us hear and heed Your warnings. And Lord, let us be comforted and strengthened by how much You love us. Father, we love You. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, Amen. He had just brought this child and set it before the people. And so I think we might be confused here. Because when Jesus says, Whoever receives one such child in My name receives Me. We're tempted to think, this, He's talking about the like actual physical child. But I don't think that's what He's talking about. He says, He's, he's just said, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And before that, He said, um, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like Children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. When he says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, he's talking about the one who becomes a child. The one who becomes a child. So whenever he says, whoever receives such a child in my name receives me, he's talking about believers. And when we live in a hostile world that hates us, When we go as we share the Gospel and people receive us, they're receiving Him. When they receive us in His name, they're receiving Him. This passage is about how people treat believers. Believe it or not. He says... Whoever receives one such child in My name, that's that's believers in My name, receives Me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in Me to sin. That's another hint here. It's talking about the one who becomes a child. These little ones who believe in Me. Who believe in Me. He's talking about believers. Now, the world wants to get us to sin. The world puts pressure on us. The world... We are surrounded 
by a hostile world that wants to get us to abandon Jesus, that wants to get us to sin. We're ridiculed for holding to traditional morality when it comes to sexual, sexual ethics. That is, that is one of the major, major things that is out there in the world today. The world puts pressure on us and ridicules us. And if that were to cause a little child, one of Jesus' people, a believer, to, to apostatize, to leave him behind, to, to stop following him because it got too hard because of the world's pressure, then it would be better for whoever put that pressure on believers to have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the ocean, into the sea. He takes this seriously. He loves us so much. Those of us who have become like little children, who believe in Him, who have cast ourselves on Him, He loves us so much that if someone wants to cause us to sin, wants to cause us to stumble, that He would do that kind of a thing to someone. I mean, this actually magnifies His love for us. I don't know if that makes sense to everybody, but it sure makes sense to me. <coughs> he says, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Don't mess with Jesus' people. He loves them. He cares for us. Jesus here gives a threat to anybody who's going to mess with His people. Verse 7. Woe to the world for temptations to sin. Woe. It's like what Isaiah was saying in Isaiah chapter 5. Woe to the one who is greedy, who joins house to house. He gets all these different houses for himself and he's building up all of this property. Woe to the one who, uh, who, who uh, goes after strong drink. And woe to the, to the one who calls evil good and good evil. He's saying, woe. He's pronouncing judgment. Judgment is coming on those people. Well, he says the same thing here. Jesus says, woe to the world. That's who he's talking about there. Now he's talking to his disciples. But he's saying, he's not saying woe to you, like we say Isaiah saying to the people of Israel. He's saying woe to the world. Woe to the world. The outside. Those who don't believe Him. Those who have not received Him. Those who are hostile to us. Woe to the world for temptations to sin. Now that word temptations to sin in the Greek here, it's not the normal word for temptation. And it's not the normal word for sin. And it's actually the same word that's used up above whenever it says who causes one of these little ones to sin. The word here is the word for a stumbling. Stumbling. Uh, who causes one to stumble. Uh, the word is Scandalon, from which we get our word scandal. Um, to stumble over. You know, Jesus was the cornerstone, the one who the builders rejected. They stumbled over the cornerstone. Uh, if, you're, if you're familiar with that passage from Isaiah, people stumble over Jesus. Well, 
Woe to the world for causes of stumbling, temptations to sin. But it's necessary that temptations come. Is it necessary? Jesus' plan, God's plan, was He would come into the world to save whoever would believe in Him. But we are not universalists. We don't believe that every single person is saved. Only those who trust in Him. And it is necessary that temptations will come. It, will, it is necessary that stumbling will come. The world is opposed to us. Jesus taught us that the world would hate us because they hated Him. This stumbling is necessary in this world. In this time between whenever He ascended into heaven and when He comes back, we are living in a world that is hostile to us and we are awaiting the time when He comes again and He sets everything right. One of these days, He's going to come and there will no longer be any temptations to sin. There will no longer be any thing that we stumble over. There will no longer be any tears or any sickness or any death. There won't be anything like that. But in this time that we live in right now, there are temptations to sin. There are things that we stumble over. There are death and sickness and pain. It is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptations come. Woe to the one by whom the stumbling block comes. Jesus cares about us. He cares about His children, those of us who have become like children. And woe to anybody who's going to cause us to stumble. Woe to anyone who's going to do that. Now, He says here, He shifts. He's talking to the world. He's talking to the world and says, woe to the world for temptations to sin. And then he shifts. He's, he's been talking to his disciples about the world, but here he shifts who he's talking about. He says, and if your hand, a disciple's hand, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better to you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. He is not threatening us. He is not threatening that He will throw us into hell. We are His. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If we are trusting in Him, if He has saved us, then we have no threat of hell. Yet, He uses these warnings to keep us on the right track. When a believer hears this, when a believer hears it's better to go to, to cut off your hand or gouge out your eye than to sin, how are we going to respond? We're going to heed Jesus' warning. We are going to fight that sin. And He uses the warning in order to give us strength, in order to give us the, the fortitude that we need to keep going. 
we still face temptations. Just because we've come like, become like little children, just because we've trusted Him, just because we've been adopted into His family does not mean that temptations don't come to us. They do. They come every single day. And this world is hostile to us. We have pressures from without. We have pressures from within. Our own hearts lead us astray sometimes. And when those sins, when those temptations to sin come, we need to be reminded of what Jesus said. Don't go there. Don't go there. That is the way that leads to destruction. Don't go there. And when we hear the words of Jesus, if we are a true believer, we will heed the words of Jesus. And yet sometimes, even as this confession that we read says, sometimes maybe we will even give in. But, he tells us, this assurance may in due time be revived. Is what our confession says. Those of us who are His, those of us who He has saved, He will not let us go too far. And He will bring us back. Verse 9. And he, if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes and be thrown into the hell of fire. What is it that causes us to sin? We have to consider that. I don't think Jesus is using hyperbole. He's not exaggerating here whenever he says it's better to cut off your hand or to cut off or to pluck out your eye than, than to go to hell. It is better. I mean, hell is forever. He, he, Jesus talks a lot about hell. It is an eternal punishment. Eternal Flames. He even says it here in this text. It's eternal fire. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, Jesus says. It is not something to play around with. What is it that causes us to sin? Is it our hand that causes us to sin? Is it our foot that causes us to sin? Is it our eyes that cause us to sin? Ultimately, no. What is it that causes us to sin? Our hearts cause us to sin. James tells us each one sins when he, his own desires lead him astray. We can't cut off that. We can't cut off that. So we live in this world, this time between the times, between Jesus' ascension, His resurrection and ascension, and the time when He comes back again, and we fight, and we struggle, and we do everything we can to put sin to death in our lives. John Owen was a Puritan, and uh, he was commenting on a passage in Romans. He said, um, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. It seems like an awkward construction there to, 
to say it that way. But our lives as Christians will continually be one of killing the sin within us. Killing the sin within us. It will never be completely dead. Every day when we get up, we've got to hack away at the sin that is still within us. And if we stop, if we neglect killing the sin within us, then it's going to be killing us. Sin wants to kill us. Sin wants to make us go to hell. And so every day we've got to get up and we've got to fight and resist temptation. And we've got to do everything we can. Are we going to win every battle? No. But Jesus has already won the war. And He has bought us with His blood. And He has atoned for everything that we have ever done. And that is what gives us the strength. That is what gives us the strength. We can't fight sin on our own. John Owen in that same book, he tells, he goes, he's got 12 or 13 chapters where he talks about all the things that you do about when it comes to killing sin. But then when he gets to like chapter 13 or 14, he says, uh, and all of that is just preparation, preparation for killing sin. The real work of, of killing sin is set faith at work on Christ. Look to him. Look, to, that's how we kill sin. It's looking to Jesus, looking at, at what he has done for us. And when we look at the cross, when we look at what He has done for us, we can't help but be changed. That's what kills our sin, is looking to Jesus. How do we, how do we heed Jesus' warning here to cut off our hand or pluck out our eye? Yes, we do everything we can in this world, to take radical measures to keep ourselves from sin. But ultimately, it's by looking to Jesus. He does the work. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.